Would you guys pray with me, God? We just welcome you into this place, God, with our praise. And we praise you because you are worthy, God. We praise you because you deserve it. We praise you because you offer us a love that is always present. Not just in this place, God, but always present in our lives. You offer us a love that is just unrestrained. So we offer that love back to you, God. Just a love that is unrestrained from the depths of our hearts. And we are just so grateful. So we choose to love you with our whole hearts, God. Just ask that you would prepare us, prepare our hearts for the rest of this service. Every moment, God, we give to you. Every moment of this service, every moment of this day, every moment of our lives, God, we want to give to you. We love you so much. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Hello, neighbor. I'm so thankful to have you as a neighbor. In fact, if I could look through the lens of that camera, I know I could see many, many of my neighbors in that big room on the other side of the, the viewing lens. Well, anyway, I had a very special experience this morning. You know, I was walking down the street, walking down the sidewalk of our village toward the home here, and I bumped into our constable, our village constable, Mr. O'Sullivan. And I just had to stop Mr. O'Sullivan because he was just looking so snappy in his uniform and his hat was just all polished and shiny. You know, people wear different hats and those hats say a lot about them. And Mr. O'Sullivan's hat was just so pretty. I had to stop him. So I stopped and I said, Sergeant O'Sullivan. And he, he stopped me and he said, oh, let's not be so formal. You can call me James. I said, okay, James. I just had to stop you and compliment you on your hat. The bill of your hat is so shiny and buffed, and that shield is just reflective, and it just looks so nice. And he said, you know what? The small things make the big difference, I've found. Let's be friends. And I said, I would love to be your friend, Constable O'Sullivan. In fact, you don't have to call me Mr. Rogers. Well... Maybe you do, because I don't have a first name. You could call me Roger Rogers. And he said, that would be fine. Gave me a smart salute and said, Roger, Roger Rogers. That Mr. O'Sullivan, he can really, he can 
<laughs> really be funny if he wants to. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, Mr. O'Sullivan got me to thinking about two things. He got me to thinking about hats and big and small. So, I would love to take you on a field trip today. What do you say you and me go to some very special places? In fact, these special places are going to revolve around hats. And that's going to give me a chance to show off my hats and try them on. Our first place, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I'm going to give you a hint. The first stop on our field trip, I'm going to be wearing this kind of hat. Come follow me. Well, welcome back, neighbors. I'm glad you followed me. We're here at the farm of Mr. James, the cowboy. And I thought it would give me a good opportunity to wear my cowboy hat. And uh, I've been so anxious to introduce you to James. And, and we're going to talk to James a little bit about his horse. What's your horse's name, James? Lucy. Lucy. This is Lucy the horse. And look, he has his saddle on and his reins. And all of these things help James ride his horse and do it really, really, really well. He's a regular cowboy, this James. So, James, tell me a little bit about, what, what's, what's this part right here on the horse? The bit. That's the bit. The bit. B-I-T. Bit. So, what does the bit do? It helps me control the horse uh, and turn it. And, and, you, and it helps you turn and show Lucy where you want Lucy to go, right? Yeah. Wow. Well, that, Lucy is actually a really big animal. I bet Lucy weighs about seven or eight or nine hundred pounds. That is Lucy pretty powerful? Yeah. Yeah, Lucy's pretty powerful and fast. Well, how does this little tiny bit move this whole big powerful animal? You know? Yeah. That's just fascinating to me that this little tiny piece of metal can move this whole animal and wherever James wants Lucy to go, he can just pull on these reins and Lucy responds and goes where James wants him to go. I think that's fascinating. What do you think, neighbors? Well, I think I think we're going to let James continue to work. He has to go to the fair next week and show Lucy. And so we're going to let him get busy and work. And, and we're going to go on to our next stop. And our next stop's going to be a surprise. But I'll give you a hint. I'm going to have to wear a different hat and maybe look like a sailor. Come with us, neighbors. Well, you can guess where we are now. And look, it got me a chance to be able to wear my new hat, my new sailor's hat. Well, you can remember, remember when we first met this morning that I told you that I bumped into Constable O'Sullivan? James, he wanted me to call him. And he got me to thinking about two things, hats, which I get to wear my sailor hat, and big and small things. We just left the farm where James was riding his horse, and we talked about the small bit moving the big animal. Well, here at the marina, I wanted to show you another big and small example. Look at this boat. You can see that that is a really big boat. Lots of these boats just weigh thousands and thousands of pounds. They're very long and very powerful. And what do you think steers that big, powerful boat? Why, it's that very tiny rudder, it's called, at the end of the boat. And that is so small 
but it steers that whole big boat big and small I think that's fascinating let's look at some of these boats they're so big and shiny and beautiful of course Mr. Rogers wanted to take you a little bit closer to the boats but here at the marina Mr. Rogers doesn't have enough money to be able to get into the gate to get close to the big boats so we have to be out here kind of far away but I just wanted you to see this big and small we have one more stop on our field trip today it's also going to give me another opportunity to wear another one of my hats and uh, I'm going to let this one be a surprise let's go well here we are at our third stop on our field trip I told you it was going to be a surprise here we are at the Cincinnati Zoo. I got a chance to wear my third hat of the day, my zookeeper's hat. And in fact, I have something else I want to put on since we're here at the zoo. I'm going to take my favorite sweater off. It's a shame to take this sweater off. It's only 90 degrees out. But I'm going to put my zookeeper shirt on. I've always thought that the animals have more respect for those who are dressed properly. So. Anyway, you know, we've been talking about big and small and about wearing different hats. Well, here at the zoo, I want to talk about something slightly different. Looking here, can you see in the distance Mr. Elephant over there? Today, or this afternoon, I want to talk about taming something that's wild. You know, these elephants live in Asia and they live in the wild. And I think it's fascinating that we as humans have the ability to take a wild creature like that that is so powerful and so big and we can tame it and train it to do things that we want to do. Isn't it amazing that we can train a wild animal to do the things we want to do but so many times we have trouble taming ourselves. You know, I know that you, as, your, as my neighbor, I've seen you sometimes misbehave I misbehave sometimes myself. You know, we have, we think that it's so easy and so uh, natural to tame a wild animal, but oftentimes we have a hard time taming ourselves, don't we? And especially what we say. We have a hard time taming our little tongue. We talked about big and small. Our tongue is a very small organ in our body, but yet it affects so much. And sometimes, we have a hard time taming that, don't we? Well, I want us to work on that. And so uh, we're gonna finish our field trip. I've enjoyed showing you some sights and then spending the day with my neighbors. And let's, let's think about big and small things. Let's think about the hats we wear and let's think about taming our tongues. Bye-bye, we'll see you tomorrow. Well, wasn't that a wonderful field trip? The trip, 
Look at her face. She's like, I can't believe. What a wonderful trip to the zoo we had. That was so special. Well, I'm going to get out of this uncomfortable zoo shirt and get back into my trusty old sweater where I feel comfortable. First service, they told me I buttoned it wrong. And it looked like this. So maybe today I won't even say. So now I'm going to get out of that persona because it's going to drive me crazy and I'll get distracted. So anyway, back to Kevin and not Roger Rogers. (laughs) All right. So thank you very much. Does that mean you're happy that I am not Roger anymore? (laughs) All right. So, hey, so we're in the middle of this series that we're calling Living Out What Lies Inside and um, talking about the the chapters in the book of James. Uh, I'm going to read to you uh, a a pretty good chunk of chapter three of James. It'll be up on the screen, too. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is who is never at fault and what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put the bits into mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human can tame the tongue. It's restless, evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. A couple of weeks ago, Jeff uh, spoke two weeks on uh, taming our tongue. And if you'll remember, James chapter 1, verse 19, talked about being uh, quick to listen and slow to speak. And in chapter 1, James was linking verbal control with anger control, right? And we talked, Jeff talked extensively about that, linking what we say with our anger issues. Well, I think it's really, really interesting that James, just two chapters later, came right back to that issue, that same issue about controlling what comes out of our mouth. This time in a little bit of a different context. But I was thinking, you know, if it's evident that he thinks that's really important. So if James is spending so much time thinking about that, talking about it, writing about it, he must think it's important. And he thinks it's important because God thinks it's important. After all, God inspired James to write those things. And if God thinks that's important, then I should think it's important. 
And so I, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, when stuff is repeated several times, it kind of causes me and cause, should cause us to be, hey, wait a second, maybe I should kind of pay attention to this. It might be really important. And uh, I think it is. Okay. How many times have you, as a parent, remember saying something like, now you just watch your mouth, young man, or, hey, we don't talk like that in our household, right? We say those kinds of things because we think it's important the way we speak, our mannerisms, what we do. It's important. It's a reflection on us. So why is the way we speak? Why is, are the things that come out of our mouths so important? What is the big deal? Why is it such a big deal that I don't curse or I don't use foul or vulgar, vulgar language? I want to stop there a little bit. You know, once we, when we start talking about language and what we speak, we all tend to go to, okay, don't cuss. Okay, that's like one part of the giant iceberg of what I'm talking about. It's important that we talk about not having vulgar language, but that's just one little piece in the puzzle. And we're going to talk about the big piece of the giant puzzle of what comes out of our mouth. Okay, so why is it such a big deal that I speak with uh, proper language? Why is it such a big deal that I'm not argumentative or that I don't talk back or that I don't bicker? Why is it such a big deal that I don't speak down or make fun of somebody or that I don't lash out or that I don't snap at my wife or my kids or that I don't gossip? Why is that such a big deal? Obviously it is or James wouldn't talk about it so much. Well, uh, I have. Uh, well, first of all, I want to go back to cha- or, uh, verse six through eight. I already read this, but I want to slow down a little bit and read it again. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Wow. It's kind of harsh, isn't it? Seems like uh, James is being a little bit of a drama queen here. You know, what's the big deal, right? Well, it kind of is a big deal. And I have uh, three areas in which I want us to think about why it's such a big deal. Okay. I have a couple of glasses with uh, liquid in here. This first glass has water in it. And if I'm walking along the side of the room or something, I'm drinking, you bump into me. What's going to come out of this glass? And spill on the carpet. Water, right? Obviously. Okay, so I have grape juice in this one. If I'm walking down the, the uh, aisle here on the brand new carpet, which I probably shouldn't, and drinking, I get bumped. What's going to spill out of this glass? Grape juice, obviously. Okay, so when I get bumped in life, what's inside is what's going to come outside. So the point number one, why is this such a big deal? Well, it's because... What comes out of my mouth is a reflection of what's inside my heart. What comes out of my mouth is a reflection of what is inside of my heart. And that's why it's a big deal. There's a bunch of ways in which we do this. Foul language, one of those ways. My dad used to tell me that uh, when somebody uses foul language a lot, when cusses a lot, it's evidence of, of... a lack of creative vocabulary in that person's, that person's brain. It's a, it's a kind of a symptom of being uncreative. And I remember as a kid, and he was telling me, hey, you're better than that. 
you have you have more descriptive vocabulary that I want to teach you that you can use to explain yourself. You don't have to just rattle off words that that uh, are just vulgar or what's senseless. And what he was trying to tell me is what's inside needs to come out. If if you use if you're a person who cusses or curses a lot and you use vulgar language and not raunchy talk or whatever, that's a reflection. That's what's inside the heart coming out. And what are those things? Disrespect, anger, things like that. Sinful conditions of the heart coming out of my mouth. And he was helping me through that. Here's another way that uh, this is in evidence. And this is over the, uh, over the I don't know, past few years really started to become evident to me. Qualifying your words. We get into the habit of, of doing this and, and, you know, habits are hard to break. But have you ever found yourself qualifying your words honestly? No, really. Yeah, Kim, I went to the store. I picked up the milk. Really, I did. Scout's honor. Cross my heart. Hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye. Right. We qualify our words. And what I've started to, to, to learn and to recognize is that I think the only reason someone qualifies his words is if there's a possibility that those words are not true. The Bible tells us, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If I am a person who speaks what is true, I shouldn't have to qualify it by saying, hey, honestly. When I do that or when somebody does that to me, where my mind goes, if somebody qualifies his words to me, where my mind goes immediately is, wait, the warning sign, maybe that's not true. Or he wouldn't have to kind of say, hey, yeah, yeah, really, it's true. All right. What's another way? Yeah, but, yeah, well, conversational what's up, one-upsmanship, I call it. Yeah, well, I, I did 50. Well, you know, constantly having to, to one-up the conversation. I, uh, our son, Logan, uh, I told him I was going to pick on him. He was in, our, in the first service. And I don't know how many thousands of times when he was growing up, he was really bad at this. Constantly having to correct Whitney, his little sister, constantly having to one up. And, and I can remember just over and over and over again, Logan, why do you have to do that? Trying to get him to break that habit of always constantly having to either correct or one up her, especially, but anybody. What comes out of your mouth is a reflection of what's inside. And what's inside in that case was, I don't feel good about myself. Therefore, I have to make that person I'm talking to feel worse about him or herself. I have a friend who was, he's a good, he is a good friend. He was really, really bad at this uh, correction thing and, uh, until I called him on it one time and, and he's gotten much better at it. But it, it, it didn't matter what we were talking about. If we're riding in a car and I said, hey, I really like that black car, he'd say, no, it's charcoal. If I said, hey, my motorcycle has 48 horsepower, he said, no, I read the specs, it's 52. It, it didn't matter what we were talking about. He'd have every single thing, he'd have to correct it. What comes out of our mouth is a reflection of what's inside. What's inside in that case is, does he really think it's really, really important that I understand that that's charcoal and not black? Has nothing to do with it. What really was the, was the reflection was, I need to know that, I need you to know that I'm right or that I, or that you are wrong. And again, sometimes we just get into the habit of doing that, but it's really important that we keep our spiritual antennas up and 
we recognize what we're doing when we're doing things like that. How about when I make fun of somebody or when I uh, gossip about somebody? Maybe I say something about that person's appearance or their intellect or their skills or their lack of skills or whatever. Okay. What's that a reflection on from the inside? It's the reflection of I think I'm better than that person. Remember uh, last week, Drew was talking about this very issue in chapter two of James. And James was saying, you should not capital N.O.T. You should not think better of yourselves than that person. That person who? That person who Jesus died for? (laughs) When I speak ill against somebody, when I speak flippantly or criticize or make fun of that other person, whoever that person is. What that is, is a reflection of me on my inside saying, figuratively saying, I'm better than that person who Jesus sacrificed and died on the cross for. And James in chapter two is basically saying, what's up with that? Seriously? You're going to speak like that? You should not speak like that. I always tell I always used to tell my kids, keep those spiritual antennas up. Catch yourself. So this is your homework this week. Spiritual antenna homework. Catch yourself saying whatever you're saying and and analyze what you're saying. Remember, be quick to listen, slow to speak and analyze what that speech is. Does whatever come out of my just came out of my mouth? Does that reflect some sort of sinful condition on the inside? Does that reflect jealousy? Does that reflect anger? Does that reflect self aggrandizement? Is what I am verbalizing a condition or a reflection of something going on inside that is really not healthy and not pleasing to God? Okay. Number two, what comes out of my mouth is impossible to put back in. That's the second reason why this is such a big deal to James. What comes out of my mouth is impossible to put back in. Here's the deal. God forgives, can and will and does forgive. But he also forgets. We, on the other hand, we can forgive and we do. But it is many times beyond our capabilities to forget. And those things that we say cause hurt and cause harm that sometimes uh, lingers many, many, many years. And that leads us to uh, today's version of Kevin, you're a moron. Kevin, if you're if you're new to hearing me speak, every sermon has a Kevin, you're a moron story. So this week's version of that is uh, Kim and I are going to a wedding. This goes back about uh, six, seven years, a few years ago. It was a it was a wedding of a coworker of hers. And uh, it had been a long time since she had uh, really, really dressed up and kind of gone out of her way to make something special. And so uh, she wanted to do that for the for her friend's wedding. And so she borrowed from another friend a really nice dress. Full length, black, just sleek, gorgeous, fit her perfectly. And uh, borrowed really nice necklace and some earrings and bracelet. And, and just, I mean, she went all out. She was gorgeous, okay? Already is, was drop bed gorgeous this time, okay? So we go to this wedding. And uh, so uh, we're at the round table waiting for the reception to start. And we're with a bunch of other friends and uh, coworkers of hers. And one of her, one of the coworkers looked over at me and she said, Hey man, doesn't Kim look gorgeous tonight? And I said, Oh, I don't know. About like usual. (laughs) 
how many of you women just threw daggers at me? <laughs> what comes out is impossible to get back in, right? How many times have you said over your life, dude, oh, I wish I could take that back. As soon as it comes out, you want to oh, stuff it back in. But it's impossible. We can't do that. We can apologize, which I did profusely on the way home and many times since. We can get, we can explain, you know, I can say, which is true. Kim, here's what I meant to say. What I meant to say was you are always gorgeous. And the fact that you have this little necklace on doesn't take, it doesn't, you know, it didn't work, right? I mean, I can explain, I can explain and explain, right? So we can Apologize. We can give forgive, get forgiveness. But the things that come out of our mouth can sometimes cause hurt and pain and wounds that linger. You know, we, we talk a lot to men in, in the Blood Brothers um, program about wounds that uh, that are daddy wounds, wounds that, uh, that still linger decades later from what your father said to you. You'll never you'll never measure up. I wish you were as smart as your sister. Why do you even try? Those kinds of things. They come out. You can't put them back in. Thirdly, what comes out of our mouth gives our spiritual enemy ammunition that he does not deserve. And we shouldn't give him. God is omniscient, all-knowing. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. But those attributes are attributes that are shared only by God. He has a monopoly on omniscience and omnipresence. Our spiritual enemy, Satan, is a created being, went bad. And his goal is to harm us to get back at God. Okay? Omnipresence, omniscience are attributes shared only by God. Satan does not have those two. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but it's true. Satan cannot read your mind. Okay? God is the only being that can read your mind. Satan cannot read your mind, but he can hear your words. I can think ill of you, and Satan can't read that. It, it's, a, it's a sinful act, and I should repent to God because he knows that. But Satan can't read my mind. I speak ill of you. Bam. I just gave him ammunition that he does not deserve and should not have, and I should not give it freely. So what comes out of my mouth is so important. You know, I've given, I have enough grief from my spiritual enemy because of his skill at temptation and of making me feel bad and, and making me feel convinced that I'm poor or bad or whatever and putting guilt on me. I don't need to give him more. But as soon as something comes out of my mouth that is displeasing to God in a sinful and reflects a sinful condition of on the inside. I've just given him more ammunition, ammunition that I don't, that he doesn't need to have. That's why it's really, really important. In the uh, in the scripture there that we read, um, James was talking about a spark, and he was saying first of all that uh, the mouth can be used for good; it can be used for evil, and he compared that kind of like fire to a spark. He said, "You create a spark." This spark can be the start of something like really, really cool. It could be the start of a campfire that your family is sitting around 
and enjoying s'mores with. That's awesome. But you carelessly use that spark and that spark can also be the start of a horrendous wildfire that destroys homes and kills. We need to be really careful about what comes out of our mouth. Our tongue is so small, but it creates such havoc so many times because we don't control it. We have, and we, don't lack, we lack the self-control to, to uh, do what we need to do. And so your homework, again, spiritual antennas. Get those spiritual antennas up. Try to catch yourself in what you say. Okay? Let's pray. Jesus, uh, we thank you so much for this morning, an opportunity to be with you and to be with our neighbors. <laughs> Uh, the opportunity to have fun, opportunity to laugh and be silly. You created all those things and you want us to use them. You want us to enjoy you. You want us to enjoy each other. And uh, as we go out of this room and, and go back to uh, kind of our daily grind, uh, we just pray that you would give our, our spiritual antennas a little bit of an extra wariness about us so that we can catch ourselves in, in what we say, what comes out of our mouths. We love you and we love each other. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, before uh, we leave, I want to give a little bit of a, a kind of an update about our Haiti team. Um, there are 14 of us going to Haiti to the back to back station there in November. There's a list of the people that are going on that trip. Each one of those people are raising money to to make it uh, to go on the trip. And the trip is quite expensive this week. We got a uh, or I got an email from the staff at back to back saying that they are um, enforcing stronger um, their rule of not arriving in Port-au-Prince after dark. And they're concerned about the traffic and increased incidents of, of accidents or harassment or whatever. And so they just want to be on the safe side and say and so they said, hey, you really need to arrive uh, at, during the daytime. And so we had already bought our tickets, so not a really big deal to switch tickets at this point. But the tickets that arrive in the daytime are $300 more than our original tickets. And so this group of 14 people is faced with already trying to raise some money. And now $300 more, you'd multiply that times 14 and that's another $4,000 that we need to, to raise. And so I just wanted to bring that up, ask you as our church family to not only pray for these people that God would uh, be faithful to help them raise their money, but uh, also to kind of reflect inside and see if, if God would be prompting you to give a little bit to help lessen that, uh, that little sticker shock, basically. And so over the next uh, today or few days or week or whatever, uh, there's envelopes by the, the offering stations there. Um, you can put something in there, just write Haiti trip on there. Uh, you can give it to me. You can bring it to the office or send it or whatever. But, um, I have a friend, uh, one of my Kenyan friends, and one of his favorite uh, phrases is he'll say, well, let's just wait and be amazed. And so we've agreed that we're just going to wait and be amazed at how God provides this little bit of a glitch um, financially. So um, I'm going to change out of my sweater and uh, you can hum along with me. It's such a good feeling. To know you're alive, it's such a happy feeling. You're growing inside, and when you wake up ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy new day. It's such a good feeling, a very good feeling. The feeling you know that I'll be back 
when the day is new and I'll have more ideas for you and you'll have things Why are they leaving? Want to talk about I will too. Hey, have a happy Sunday. Go get yourself a snow cone. <laughs>